Welcome, everybody, to this bonus episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. 164. Bonus. For 164, yes. Learning all about these flashbacks, these cool flashbacks of Jeremiah getting Mm. to the place where we are now, where we're all captured and stuff. Lots of fun. Uh, So I looked up, I spent some time looking up uh, this guy, Abed Malek, the Ethiopian prince or messenger or not a prince. He was a eunuch, kind of the opposite of a prince. (laughs) Right. True. This is true. Uh, this this Ethiopian eunuch who happened to be in town and heard about what was going in on with town. Jeremiah <laughs> being in this mire, this mud prison, and came and and rescued him, made some little arm armhole straps, lowered him down. Yeah, that was nice of him. him out. Quite frankly, very lovely. So what I had originally set out to look up was about these armhole. These armholes that they talked about, yes. and these straps mm-hmm. are kind of like, what's that about? And basically, the internet was like, yeah, we know what it is. No one cares. But I did find some interesting stuff in just looking into this Abed Malek guy at all. Okay. So, first of all, one thing that came up there's sort of two key components to this guy that make him interesting. So, first of all, He's not, he, he never shows up again. He just shows up this one time. This is it. This is the only mention of him. But the two things that make him, you know, stand out in stories is that he gets blessed by God, but he is one, not a Hebrew, and two, is a eunuch. And if we remember back in Deuteronomy, there were some laws specifically having to do with eunuchs not being able to approach. God. Oh. It says, uh, no man with crushed or severed genitals may enter the assembly of the Lord. Uh, I think this is NIV. I, I remember I looked into eunuchs a few bonus episodes ago, and it's very unclear sometimes what the term is actually referring to. If it's referring to a man who literally has been castrated, or just a man who's chosen not to marry, or just a man who is infertile or impotent for some reason. True. Did you get any clues about it's, that? They're saying crushed genitals. That sounds definitive, but maybe not. Well, but no, that was the law. Yeah, Got that it. was the law. Was that if you have crushed genitals, you can't go into the the temple? That's right, mean. right? Or you can't. Why? Yeah, but it's just unclear of if eunuch necessarily equals crushed genitals. Got it. Right, like when we context. say the word eunuch later, is this what we mean? I don't know. Or that part we don't know. Okay. That part we don't know. But there are a couple of things. So one thing that that came up on the hermeneutics. Stack Exchange, which of mm. course we love. Our favorite site. Is this person put in this question basically being like, so hang on, is Deuteronomy like prohibiting eunuchs? But then it seems like we have these other stories in like Kings and and Isaiah and Jeremiah where eunuchs are present and are, are good guys, like, you know, receive God's blessing. What's the deal? And The person who responded, like they wrote a big long response, but the parts I thought were interesting is one is that all of the eunuchs that come up later on in stories are not Hebrews, that they're all foreigners. Oh, Oh. interesting. And and this is another example, right? He's Ethiopian. He's he's not Uh. from their tribe. So that's like one thing. But the other thing he brings Mm. up that I actually think he could have dove into more in this explanation is just reminding us that these prohibitions from Deuteronomy 
are about who can enter the inner sanctuary of the temple and perform rites for Yahweh, mm-hmm. not about who's blessed by Yahweh or who's good or who's allowed to be part of society or any of this other stuff. Like that, those laws were very specifically about that because they cover a ton of other stuff. Like anyone who has eczema or scabs. Or, right, I remember geez, that. Or, yes, right? it was so specific. Or a about broken any kind foot. of disfigurement. Yeah, yeah. a broken foot. Right, Come on. like a, a disfigured face, like all sorts of things that you can't. All it means is that, it, say, you were a priest, you could still be a priest. You could still be a Levite. You just couldn't perform the rites that involve going into that inner sanctum, but you can still be one of God's people and be part of that. So I think that's well, that's nice. Again, I think our sort of modern day legalistic sensibilities and the way I think a lot of modern Christians and even modern Jews have tried to look at these things as like, see, these are bad. Self-mutilation is bad. It's prohibited. It's like, Mm. it's not prohibited per se. It's not saying you're a bad person. It's not saying you're going to hell because that wasn't a concept they had. Sure, It's just saying you can't be, you know, in the inner sanctum with Yahweh. Gotcha. Interesting. So, okay. so that was that was one thing that was interesting, and then also that he's a foreigner, and mm-hmm. the thing that's interesting about that because you know Jeremiah says Yahweh's going to spare you, you know nothing bad's going to happen to you because you're cool, and this is part of several other examples we've come across of people who are not one of God's people still receiving God's blessing in some way, right? That the fact that, I guess it's like, I don't know, I was trying to figure out a good metaphor for it. It's like the the Hebrews are God's, they're like on God's team, but that doesn't mean he doesn't like anyone else, right? Like <laughs> that he can't be nice to other people. There's still, mm. it's not like he's saying, now you're part of my team, but it's like, hey, but we're going to be cool. Let's be cool. Yeah. We don't get a lot of text about people that God still likes, but maybe doesn't love. That's true. It's a lot of, these are the people I love and these are the people I hate. Sometimes those are the same Mm. people, depending on when you catch me. (laughs) Right. But we don't get a lot of information about the randoms. Acquaintances of Yahweh. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But anyway, and then I guess the other thing, he tends to come up when people are talking about how even during a time when there's a lot of corruption and bad stuff going on that this foreigner, and maybe this relates to stories like the Good Samaritan type stories later on in the New Testament, but this idea that like you can't take for granted that just because these are your people, that they're good people, and that someone who's not your people are bad people. Because mm. here, he's the one who's not one well, of your good. people, but he's the good people, right? He's the one who came along and yeah. not only said, hey, this is wrong what you're doing, but also in getting him out was like mindful and took care of hey, you know, we're going to make this little harness for him because he's probably weak and sick. He hasn't had any water and food for a while. And, you know, so so I think that's also kind of a an interesting lesson to take away from it as well. Mm, that is nice of him. Yeah. Good job, Abednelech. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're going to move on from the Jeremiah chapters right on to the Psalms that Dedeker and I researched this time around, and specifically Psalm 51, and the concept of original sin, which, (laughs) wow, okay, even just... a doozy. It is a doozy, and there's a lot of back and forth on this concept. 
Had you heard the term before, M? Like, were you familiar with it? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, and my understanding of it was like, okay, you're born with original sin. Like, you're sinful when you're born just because you're a <laughs> person right. or something. I don't know. That's yeah. basically yeah. it. it. Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, and you, you both told me, like, look on the Wikipedia article as opposed to, like, trying to delve into some Christian person's blog. Yeah. Which I'm glad that I did because it's a little bit more clinical, I think. And, and I learned a lot here. Um, we're not going to dive into all of it, but I'll just try to do a basic overview. So initially what it says is original sin is the Christian doctrine that humans inherit a tainted nature and a proclivity to sin through the fact of birth. So theologians basically say that it's like something as insignificant as a slight deficiency or a tendency towards sin, yet without collective guilt referred to as a sin nature to total depravity or automatic guilt of all humans through collective guilt. So that's like right. a big range. I see. So yeah, so the interpretation is within that range of either we are born just inherently absolutely terrible and evil, yeah. or it's just like we're capable. born yeah. with the best of intentions, but still with right. a tendency to be bad little bunnies. The doctrine of original sin, it began to emerge in the third century. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that's, that's a yeah, very early concept. A while, but much later yes. than where we are now in the Bible. Yes. Later than where we are now, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it became fully formed with the writings of Augustine de Hippo, which was in 354 to 403. Hmm. And they, they were the first author to use the phrase original sin. So, hmm. yeah. Paul the Apostle's epistle to the Romans. This was like a translation thing that people were going after. But essentially, yeah, it's this story told in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, blah, 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 blah. And also, we haven't gotten there yet, but the writings of Paul have been extremely important in terms of the later development of the doctrine of original sin. Classic Paul. Huh. Yeah, it would be a Paul thing. So that's just something to know. Yeah. That freaking guy. Really? Okay, I don't know anything about I'm, it. I'm not yeah. a fan. Paul is not a fan of Paul. He's very... Yeah, we don't want to give too many. Well, too we'll many. understand more when we actually get there. But my impression of Paul, of what I understand of him, just off the top of my head, is very fire and brimstone. Okay. Like a lot of judgment, a lot of, to use a modern term, let's say a lot of gatekeeping. <laughs> really? Um <laughs> A lot of... Because everything that Paul wrote was essentially... It was literally a series of letters that he wrote to all these different communities, basically laying out, this is how you're being bad. This is how much you suck. Right. Interesting. Like, that was Paul's tone overall. That's unfortunate. Well, okay. So, yeah, this Adam and Eve, like, concept, essentially, regarding, like, original sin... Initially, in Second Temple Judaism, which was where the first writings happened to discuss this first sin that occurred at the hands of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve, like, it just says that there's no notion that sin is inherent to an individual or that it's transmitted upon conception. But Adam is kind of more seen as this largely heroic figure in the first patriarch. But then later, the stories of Cain and the sons of God mentioned in Genesis 6 like, sort of started moving it towards this original sin thing, I guess, which is interesting. By the first century, a number of texts did discuss the roles of Adam and Eve as 
the first to have committed sin. So that's something. And then Paul's took it even a step further. And then the Greek fathers before Augustine, I'm just going to say this last, Clement of Alexandria rejected the doctrine of original sin, claiming that the reference in Job 21 to a child being born naked from their mother's womb is a statement of the innocence of the newborn Mm. and therefore a statement opposed to the idea of original sin. He also rejected a literal interpretation of Psalm 51.5, which is what we just read, Mm. which would otherwise suggest that David was born in a sinful state. So they're basically saying also that Genesis was largely a story of allegory. So that's fascinating. So there's been a lot of like back and forth and later, like, people took it way further and the, Martin Luther did. Martin Luther asserted that humans inherit Adamic guilt and are in a state of sin from the moment of conception. That's too bad. Even from conception. So even in yeah. the womb, yeah. you are sinful. Yeah, geez. When the egg and the sperm hit each other, then you're sin. Bam, sin. That's what makes sin. <laughs> Bam, sin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then also, yeah, like Roman Catholic and all that stuff. Wow. So, yeah, Catholicism basically says that, like, yeah, the sin of children at birth occurs. Death and suffering, uh, inclination to sin, and the absence of a sanctifying grace in a newborn child is also the effect of the first sin. And also, women suck because <laughs> Eve, like, made all this happen, Oh, oh yeah, that old, that right. old chestnut. Of course. Yeah. Can't discuss yeah. original sin without throwing some of that in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I appreciate that Wikipedia is kind of doing it in this more clinical sense that they're just like talking about all the ways in which original sin is mm-hmm. showed up. Mm-hmm. But there's some debate about whether or not it is a thing, even amongst theologians and different scholars of like different time periods. Right. Mm-hmm. It seems like people really took it and ran with it. Like the sooner we get to present day, the most, re- you know, more mm. recent people do. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. Anyways, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. done. I am There's more, done but you're done. You're, yeah. you're free of sin. You know what? I'm not. I'm not going to keep going. There, this is a humongous article. Right. Just this humongous. Is, this is another one of those topics where definitely people's whole doctorates For have sure. been written yeah. on yeah. some tiny facet of a ten-year sure. history of what one person mm-hmm. thought about original sin. You know, so it's a deep well for sure. Indeed, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's close things out with a not great song <laughs> as is, okay. is our want yes. in these bonus episodes. So okay. we read that psalm and there's that line, create in me a clean heart, oh God. And again, like happens so often with these psalms, immediately I've just brought right back to my Christian upbringing into a sappy, really <laughs> not great quality song, a hymn that uses oh, the lyrics mm-hmm. of this psalm. So okay. let me, I tried to get to the bottom of who... <laughs> Whose fault is this? ...is responsible for this. Who uh, did this? Obviously, Dave is the one who wrote the song. Who do I have to blame? <laughs> but the hymn itself, I was really trying to find who actually did this. And this this hymn is so old. It's one of those things where it was a little hard to track because the fact that in some hymnals it's listed as anonymous just because people are like, I don't know who wrote it, so we'll just list it as anonymous. And then someone picks it up and does a new arrangement of it and then it gets credited to them. Okay. And then someone creates a new album and then it just gets credited to them. And so I was tracking, tracking, tracking. The oldest reference I could find was, so I found an old hymnal that credited the tune of this hymn to a composer from like the 1500s. Whoa. So Whoa. very, very old. 
Johann George Wiener or Wiener, if we want to take it there. I think it's probably Wiener. But... I couldn't find much about him, though, other okay. than in reference to this song. Occasionally, not a lot of information. So Maybe it's uh, Weiner. Maybe it's Weiner. Um, and they just credit the tune. Okay. So I found another old hymnal that credits William Batchelder Bradbury who was a composer from the 1800s, the mid-1800s. And I think he was the one who maybe knew the tune and took these lyrics and decided to smash them together and then called it his own, I think. That's what my guess would be. Now, William Batchelder Bradbury is famous because he composed the tune to Jesus Loves Me. Wow. I, I don't know. Wow, I don't that know is what a that hit. Is. That is a real now, hit. that's a hit. I'm going to put a pin in it for another bonus episode because I went down a rabbit hole looking at the history of Jesus Loves Me and it is Whoa. wild. Okay. Oh, yeah? Too wild to get into here. I don't want to get distracted. So Jesus Loves Me. So we're going to dive into that for another bonus episode. Okay. Anyway, now it's the time to just play the song. And we're going to start from the middle of the song, actually, from kind of the beginning of the verses and the chorus. We're just going to listen to about a minute okay. of it. Okay, you, you let me, you give me okay. a signal when you want me to stop this. <laughs> Anyone who stopped this monstrosity? <laughs> Go till 2.13-ish or so. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. And renew a right spirit within me. First of it's, all, it's first really of all, Emily, beautiful. we've we've listened to a handful of songs in these bonus episodes. Can you distinguish mm -hmm. this song from any of the other songs that we've listened to? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's that like Christian contemporary worship trope, it's like right? All, it Where sounds everything all the same. becomes the same. And I just love that he's also doing the very, very classic worship leader thing of always having to prompt what the next line. You got to remind everyone the lyrics. Oh yeah, they forget. Yeah. Yes. I, I have seen that in action yeah. when I went to the thing with the UJs. Oh, yeah. When church we, service. When yeah. we went to that church service. Was I doing it? Yeah. So it's very possible you saw me doing this very thing. Uh, yeah, I think oh, if you're maybe? a worship leader, it comes second nature maybe. after yeah. a certain yeah. period yeah. of time. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty amazing. But yeah, yeah it was fun. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, it, I can't say it's good. Yeah. Well, was, so Emily, if great. numbers are to be believed, you're wrong, actually. This song is amazing because this song has 528 oh. comments on YouTube, all of which are the most oh. freaking effusive <laughs> comments. I love this song. Yeah. Just, okay. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. I sing this anytime things are hard. Oh my gosh. My heart is filthy. Please clean it, Lord. Whoa. Like just all. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, that's whoa. that's a, literally, that's a quote. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Just oh, all dear. this stuff. But my favorite of all the quotes is this second one from the top that just says, why do people even dislike the things of God? The things of God. Why do people dislike the why things people, of God? Yeah, why do people um, why? even dislike the things of God? 
I mean, maybe like some of us just don't know what they are. And when we hear them for the first time, we're like, well, in my opinion, this could be better. That's why. Anyway, now you know. Now I do. Slowly but surely, bit by bit, we're indoctrinating Emily into understanding what it's like to grow up as a church kid mm-hmm. by proxy. I don't know. There, There's a lot of like cognitive bias that I currently have. Plus... I'm not like a youth that's really like being indoctrinated. I'm just listening to y'all's stories and I'm laughing along with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I, I didn't go through that. And I'm all right <laughs> that I didn't. And I don't know. It's fun to it's fun to hear, but it, I don't know. I don't know if I can truly understand what you went through ever. I guess my hope, though, and I've well, we're said we're going to try to force that knowledge on you at the very oh, least. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My hope is that eventually... Once, once all three of us are able to be in the same geographic location, hmm. that we could even try like going to a church someday. I know Emily's eyes just got so wide as I said that, but it, we could try going and just see how well you could kind of what kind of church? know what's going on in a way that you didn't before. Just, I just sure. think it'd be interesting. Do I have to pray? And you've seen us rock out to these psalms enough that you'd probably get the gist of what you're supposed to do. That's true. I, as long, I mean, I'm not going to like fake pray, just if, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Okay. It's fine. Cool. As long as you, you can behave properly. I'll behave properly. I won't make a fool of myself or you two. Alrighty. Well, one day, maybe all of you will get to go with us virtually to a virtual church session. Is that what they're called? I don't know. <laughs> a church session? A ch- sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and uh, you'll get to see my crazy eyes if for real and (laughs) enjoy the beautiful music of church. But until then, we'll continue on with Jeremiah because apparently we have quite a lot left. Yeah. So we can't wait. We'll see you soon. Bye.